This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 421. Thanks to AG1, the ultimate daily all-in-one health drink. Get a one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Simply visit drinkag1.com MTA. Thanks also to Sidekick. You can use the muscle scraping tools from Sidekick to work on your hips, quads, feet, whatever's bothering you. And we recommend the My Personal PT Bundle. Just go to SidekickTool.com slash MTA for 15% off. SidekickTool.com slash MTA. Thanks to Prevenix, makers of Joint Health Plus, for sponsoring this episode. The main active ingredients are clinically proven to reduce joint pain and improve your joint flexibility in just 7 to 10 days. You can save 15% by visiting Prevenex.com and using the code MTA. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com and use the code MTA. Hey, welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we empower and inspire you to run a marathon and change your life. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, we speak with Doug Mayer, a journalist and author of the book, The Race That Changed Running, the inside story of the UTMB. Plus, we'll tell you about a running retreat in the Alps that we're putting together for next year and how you can be part of it. And of course, as an Academy member, you get access to all of our back podcast episodes, full-length interviews, training plans, and more. Find out how to join when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. Well, we hope everyone's having a good summer. We're in that weird time of year where there's kind of a lull where people aren't running as many races, you know, because it's August. Things seem to pick back up in September and October. I think October is probably the biggest month for marathons and half marathons. I'll be at the Boulderthon in Boulder, Colorado. Love to have you come out and join me there if you want to come run a cool marathon. And you also just got back from California where you had a pretty cool adventure. Maybe you should tell listeners about that. Yeah, I got to see some family out in California. And while I was there, I was hoping to make it out to the mountains. Of course, I grew up in Modesto, California. So my cousin Drew texted me and he put together this backpacking trip for he and I. So we went to the immigrant wilderness area in the Sierra Nevada mountain range uh, above Yosemite National Park. Yeah, so we backpacked. We uh, stayed two nights out there in the wilderness. Man, the stars were so amazing. Oh, I bet. And you said that you really didn't see any people either. You were just, you know, that far in the backcountry and, of course, didn't have cell service. So that's probably a new personal record for you going without cell service for two days. (laughs) Yeah, it was more like three days. Wow. But you know what's fun is kind of figuring out your gear for a trip like that. I went to REI and I bought a 40 liter pack called the Trail 40. And instead of wearing hiking boots, I just wore my trail shoes, my On Cloud Venture trail yeah. running shoes, nice and lightweight. My cousin had like big old hiking boots and like 45 pounds worth of stuff. <laughs> he brought like two hot sauce bottles. <laughs> The hot sauce was actually a good touch. But two bottles, I don't know. It seems excessive. Well, he's young and strong, so. (laughs) I didn't weigh my pack, but I'm guessing I had around 25 to 30 pounds. I have a new respect for uh, Coach Steve, who we just interviewed. He ran across the Mongolian Desert, you know, 155 miles, and he had his pack down to 16 pounds. That's not easy. (laughs) Right. Because he had to carry all his own food. Yeah, you can't be bringing bottles of hot sauce. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, we just hiked all over the backcountry. Just absolutely beautiful. Something about being in the mountains restores your soul. You know, I call it mountain therapy. Speaking of mountains, we're going to talk about the Alps on this episode, one of my favorite subjects. Before we do, let's uh, give some shout outs to folks in our community. We'd like to give a shout out to MTA member Rudy. He says, Team MTA called Release the Kraken finished the last bonus region of the circumpolar race around the world known as CRAW. What a journey it has been since we started on September 1st, 2020, a team with 10 members, me from Belgium and the other nine from the USA. And Rudy also recently finished his second ultra of the year, which was a trail 50K. And I think he does half marathons as training runs. And I think he's like up to 51 or so now for this year. So he's very prolific. I'm sure he contributed a lot of miles to Team MTA Release the Kraken. Yeah, I actually got to meet him and hang out with him in Belgium when I was over there for the uh, Beer Lovers Marathon in May. He's a great guy. We'd like to say congratulations to Sherry in the Social Distancing Run group. She says, I got my 2,500-mile medal over the weekend. She says, I've hit over 3,000 miles in the tracker a bit ago, so I'm excited it's here. This was a huge goal for me. We'd also like to congratulate MTA coach Kristen on finishing first in her age group and fourth overall at the Green Lake Sprint Triathlon in Minnesota. And congrats also to Andy Link, a longtime listener uh, from Germany, and uh, he just finished the Algao Panorama 70K in Bavaria. He finished in 9.26. That's awesome. Pretty fast for 70K in the mountains. Hey, we're looking forward to being at the Richmond Marathon this year. It takes place Saturday, November 11th. Friday is the Expo. Hopefully, I'll do some kind of live podcast interview there. I did last year. I had a live interview with Kira D'Amato. Got to meet a lot of you in our listening community. We also have an MTA meetup after the race. So if you're going to be there, shoot me an email. I'll, I'll give you some details once I have them finalized. But Richmond Marathon does a great job. They are extremely friendly, very well organized. They make it a lot of fun. It's a beautiful time of year to run through Virginia's capital. And they also have a half marathon and an 8K. So yeah, check them out, richmondmarathon.org. Angie, what else can we tell people about the Richmond Marathon? Well, this year marks the 46th running of the marathon. They are a nonprofit, and the organizers have proven their ability to create an experience tailor-made to fit the needs of all runners. So come be a part. Visit richmondmarathon.org and register now to beat the September 16th price increase. That's richmondmarathon.org. All right. Well, on this episode, we are speaking with Doug Mayer. He is author of the book, The Race That Changed Running, Inside Story of UTMB. Of course, UTMB is the Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, the prestigious ultra marathon that takes place in the Alps. And he'll talk about why he believes that this race has been instrumental to bringing more people into the sport of trail running. Doug owns a company called Run the Alps. And before moving to France, he was a producer for the NPR show Car Talk. I've listened to a lot of episodes of that back in the day. So for a little bit of context, of course, the uh, UTMB, Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, is named after the TMB, Tour du Mont Blanc. And the Tour du Mont Blanc is this famous trail that goes around Mont Blanc, the highest mountain in the Alps. And the trail that goes around the mountain goes through France, Italy, and Switzerland. So three countries, three different cultures. You encounter all these little villages and high mountain pastures. And usually takes people between 7 to 10 days to uh, hike around the mountain. Angie and I did a portion of it last year when we were there uh, with our kids. So this ultra marathon, the UTMB, it's like the Super Bowl, or maybe a better metaphor, is the World Cup of ultra trail races. Uh, we had one of the winners on the podcast, uh, someone we've talked about, uh, Courtney DeWalter. 
Uh, after she won UTMB in 2019, she stopped by the podcast. And then in 2020, of course, it was canceled, but she went back and won it again in 2021. And hot off the press, Angie, what news do we have now? <laughs> well, you get that out of your fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just pulled it out of my fax machine. Courtney just announced that she will be running UTMB again in 2023 this year. So that'll take place on September 1st. So we don't actually talk about that in this interview because we recorded this interview before she announced. And she already won two of the hardest ultra marathons in the world this year, which is Western States and the Hard Rock 100. So if she can go over there to France and win UTMB, she will be the absolute absolute goat. absolute goat yeah she's already one absolute <laughs> she's going to two absolute goat level <laughs> if she wins utmb this year speaking of goats in the interview um it's referred to killian journey and i'm sure most people will at least be familiar with that name he's a 35 year old professional long distance trail runner and ski mountaineer originally from spain i think he resides in norway now maybe with yep. his family He's widely regarded as one of the greatest trail runners of all time. He's won some of the most prestigious ultra marathons, including UTMB, Western States, and Hard Rock. Yeah, so just for a little context, if you hear Doug mention Killian, that's who he's talking about. He has won UTMB several times. I don't know how many times. I'm too lazy to stop right now and, and Google it because <laughs> all of you listening can do that. <laughs> But yeah, this is a fun conversation because, uh, of course, we're talking about trail running. We're talking about the Alps, just this magical place, and how the sport has evolved. So we're going to jump into that conversation with Doug Mayer. And stay tuned to the end of the episode because we're going to share an opportunity to come to the Alps and run around Mount Blanc with us. Run slash hike. I don't know that I'll do much running. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> it could be pretty challenging. But yeah, we're putting together a running retreat in the Alps next year. And we'll share details about that uh, at the end of the episode. So here's our conversation with Doug Mayer. Well on my way, well on my way, well on my way. Now that I'm well on my way, well on my way, well on my way, well on my way. All right, we're on the podcast now with Doug Mayer joining us from France. Doug is the author of the book, The Race That Changed Running, The Inside Story of UTMB. So you're living the dream. You're in the French Alps. <laughs> Doug, what's your background? What did you do before this? Yeah, well, I worked for many years for the old national public radio show Car Talk as a producer and spent many of those years in all my free time trail running and climbing and, uh, you know, backcountry skiing and cli ice climbing and all kinds of things like that. And trail running became a real passion that, that over time led me over here, which is really sort of the epicenter in many ways of trail running, at least in one sense of the word. I started trail running here a lot. I brought friends over, friends of friends uh, came over. And one day I was hanging out over pizza 10 years ago with Solomon runner, Ricky Gates. And Ricky said, you should start a business, you know, and he planted the seed. And I started Run the Alps, which is a, a trail running tour company over here. And, and that brought me over here full time. I continued, you know, sort of my, my journalism world, writing for Trail Runner magazine and writing trail running books. And here I am living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I don't know if you can see the wave pattern. You're still kind of coming in hot on the mic. Good for me to see. Let me try backing up a little bit and talking a little more softly. I'll try not to clip as much. Let me stand back a bit, see if that helps. You need less click and clack and more Terry Gross. <laughs> Uh, it's fresh air from Terry Gross. I'm Terry Gross. There you go. Exactly. 
you nailed that. <laughs> oh, hey, I had 25 years of, of working on those shows. So let's talk about the UTMB. I actually uh, ran the marathon last year, loved it, so tough, but such a beautiful place. And we had our kids with us and we actually spent one night at a mountain hut out on the trail. Uh -huh. And so Angie and I really want to go back and, and hike around the whole thing. Our kids don't, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> so can you give us an overview of the course and what it's like to run it? Because I know you've done it twice. Yeah, I was just talking about this to another to a reporter today, like every hundred miler, maybe, you, you know, you're at the start and it doesn't quite seem possible that you're going to run a hundred miles, right? Mm. And it's even perhaps even more daunting here in Chamonix because you're staring at, you know, one of the high points of Europe, you know, the summit of, of Mont Blanc, and then this whole range. And you're running through the UTMB course goes through three countries, 10 or 12 major climbs. You know, it doesn't quite seem possible. Mm. But the course itself, it's amazing. And I think, you know, whatever people think of UTMB, and it's quite the production and that for some people that's wonderful and other people it's not their thing. The course is incredible. I mean, you go through all of these little communities, everyone's out cheering through three countries, two different languages, past glaciers, you know, the mountain always on your left side. And because UTMB is really, I, I would say indisputably the most important trail race in the world, being at the start of it for a trail runner, you know, it's a really moving and special moment in your life. It's hard to get into. It takes some time, some training, some qualifications, a lottery. And so actually standing there and knowing also that at the front are the world's best trail runners, it's pretty incredible. <laughs> so that's how it feels. Oh, yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I remember, you know, being in Chamonix just a little bit and it just felt like the whole area was so steeped in the outdoor culture, trail running, climbing, you know, hiking. It just felt like, you know, it was hard not to just get excited about being out in nature and being out on the trail. So I can imagine in the days surrounding the UTMB race, like kind of like the Super Bowl of ultra running, <laughs> it kind of has that feeling to it. A few factors, I think, at work there, and everyone feels the same way. I mean, you know, one is that trail running is really mainstream here in a way that it's not in the U.S. Um, mm. So being a trail runner is celebrated by the entire community. You know, somebody described it to me once as, you know, in the U.S. and a lot of parts of the world, you have some parts of the country that might be a mountain culture. But in the Alps and in a lot of Europe, mountain culture is the culture or the predominant culture. So like it's not uncommon to do a little trail race here and to pick up the newspaper the next day and see a photo on, on the front page. So trail running and something like UTMB is celebrated in a way by, you know, the general public in a way that it's not elsewhere. And, you know, there's a pro and con to that, right? I'm a lover of uh, quirky sports. So <laughs> a little bit funny coming here and all of a sudden what you're doing is, is very mainstream. I mean, here on the trails, it's not at all uncommon to see more trail runners than hikers. So that, I mean, that's one factor that sort of plays into that feeling. I think the other is, is that UTMB does a very good job of building drama around the race. 
you know, whether you're Killian DeJournay or Courtney DeWalter or just an average trail runner who's going to finish UTMB in 40 hours, it's very special to be here as part of that. There's all kinds of events going on and they make you feel special. It's where all the cool people go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is pretty crazy. And even starting around late July, um, it's not at all uncommon to see, you know, the world's best trail runners showing up here. I mean, people are starting to train on the course and, you know, they start to travel around to different parts of the course. You know, they get in training at night on the sections of the course they think they're going to be running at night. Um, there's probably no other race in the world that gets such attention beforehand f- from athletes. So this place becomes pretty interesting when you walk down the street and, oh, you know, there's Killian Journey or, you know, whomever. I thought you did a great job with the book, how you wove in the stories and, you know, personal experiences from not only some of the top trail runners in the world who have done UTMB, but also everyday people who it was just their dream to run that race. You really did a good job of like bringing the human experience into it as well as the history. Thanks. I think one of the wonderful things about trail running at any level is that we have this shared experience, right? And so yes. you can go up to a Courtney DeWalter and talk about UTMB or Hard Rock or Western States or some other race, and you all have the same shared background and understanding, even if the pace is very different. Um, yeah, there's this really nice bond that forms here in UTMB. It's on the loop around you know, Mont Blanc. But, you know, it, it was wonderful seeing that come to life as I talked to everyone from Killian to everyday runners. And I think we all emotionally feel that sort of wonderful connection, which is part of what keeps this wonderful spirit in trail running alive. So when we were on a section of the course, we were just in France and uh, we started in Le Contamine mm-hmm. and then went up. There was like this old Roman bridge, and then we passed the refuge non Barant, I think it's called. Exactly, non Barant, yeah. I mean, just so beautiful, amazing. Of course, I stopped and, you know, had a little pastry at the, at the <laughs> refuge, and it was not the like. Can you give us maybe some of the highlights of the course? Not just the course, but anyone who just circumambulates uh, Mont Blanc. Well, what, what is the expression about running 100 miles, that you live a year when you, when you run 100 miles? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I won't take a year to describe it, but it's this wonderful mix, as you know, of small villages and those wonderful pastry stops and high mountain huts with then you're off in, off in the wild a bit, you know, over a high pass in a remote area you know, a long climb and a long descent away from the next town. It's really maybe f- has some components shared with like the idea of a pilgrimage um, where you're, mm. you're you're on a true journey on, on the TMB. Look, it, it's the oldest tourist footpath of its kind in the world developed in this way for traveling through a region. You know, here on the TMB and obviously here in Europe, you, you have a lot of human history and, that, and yeah. that's evident as you circumnavigate Mont Blanc. I mean, I sort of find like a, a bit of an emotional depth to it. You know, you're part of a story and passing through these villages, talking to the farmer who's 
father probably farmed those fields and used the same barn and probably his grandfather. And there's a rich, you know, shared history there. And then you're off into the wild. And, you know, the mountain component of it should not be underestimated. The first time I did UTMB, 2017, we had essentially pretty close to a blizzard at the the top of that year's race that was it was a high point grand call for a you know so you can go from having hot chocolate or something in cormier to two or three hours later being in conditions that really severely test you and that sort of repeats over and over again so if there's a pattern or feeling to utmb it's that this idea of like being greeted in different countries and welcomed and then off you go you know uh, <laughs> For me, one of the really, well, for a lot of people, one of the special moments is exactly the area you described. So the race starts at, at 6 p.m. And by the time you're leaving Le Contamine and Notre Dame de la Gorge, you say goodbye, really, to the last of the onlookers. And you head off over Col de Bonhomme and cross over to the refuge, the hut there, and then down to Le Chapia. And that's a really wild area. And it's usually getting dark um, and they give you quite a send off. You know, usually there's, oh, I don't know. There's someone there playing some music. There's a bonfire typically. And so there's almost a poignant feeling of off I go into the wilderness and, and the darkness. <laughs> and so that, that I think just about everyone who's done UTMB, that's a very special spot. How many hours did it take to finish uh, when you did it in 2017, your first time? The first time, <laughs> my first time was a bit of an epic because uh, we had this storm. It, you know, just these things happen. I mean, part of the experience of an ultra is that random things happen and you have to see how resilient you are, right? So for me, what that meant was coming into Champagne and just sort of randomly spraining my ankle. Um, oh, no. I don't even know what happened, but it started hurting and it really was hard to walk on. And I was hypothermic. It had been snowing and then raining and obviously very cold. And I had my moment of crisis. Uh, wow. In the aid station there, I called a dear friend of mine who's a guide. And I said, you know, what do I do? I don't want to drop out, but I don't know what to do. I can't walk. Um, and he said, well, go see a doctor at the aid station. Um, and I did. And they warmed me up, which was helpful. They taped up my ankle. And, you know, I think if this had been the United States, um, I would have had to sign 10 forms and they would have suggested <laughs> I drop out. <laughs> you know, but it's a very different ethic here. And the French doctor taped up my ankle and essentially said, what are you waiting for? Get out of here. Go to Chamonix. <laughs> and how much further did you have to go at that point? I had f- 40 kilometers to go and maybe more from Champé-Lac. Because <laughs> that's in Switzerland, right? Yeah. And for me, I actually walked, fast hiked the entire rest of the way. And as something like 300 people passed me, my first UTMB became a real grudge match. (laughs) That's a long-winded answer. The short answer is that I finished in in something like 40 hours. And then I came back the following year and finished um, something like five hours faster. That's amazing. 
Hey, quick break to thank our episode sponsor, Sidekick. They make recovery tools for runners so you can heal from your injury quicker and get back to doing what you love. That's right. Too many runners ignore the red flags of various aches and pains and keep training until they develop a chronic injury, which some of us have done more than once. So if you're suffering from plantar fasciitis, shin splints, IT band tightness, even knee pain, muscle scraping therapy works by breaking up blocked vessels to heal stress tissue in your body. It's a safe, effective injury prevention and injury relief tool like the one that your PT might use on you. And it's very simple to use. There are actually easy to follow videos on the Sidekick website. So with Sidekick, you get the benefits of a massage, but at home and in minutes. To get started, we recommend the My Personal PT Bundle. It's their best-selling bundle, has two of their most popular tools. It's called the My Personal PT Bundle. Check it out, SidekickTool.com slash MTA, and you can get 15% off your order with our link, SidekickTool.com slash MTA. Thanks also to our sponsor, Prevenex, makers of Joint Health Plus. As a long-distance runner, you got to take care of those joints, and there's tons of reviews from runners on their website. In fact, here's one review that just came in from a listener to the podcast, a longtime listener to the podcast, in fact, named Taylor. I remember meeting Taylor at the uh, Marine Corps Marathon years ago. Awesome. She says, quote, I was having pain in my elbow for months, and I tried Prevenex after hearing about it on the MTA podcast. After about a month of Prevenex, the pain was noticeably better. Yeah, we've heard from people who will take it for a running related thing and then notice that it has effects in other areas of their body stiffness you know, sometimes like in the thumb joint elbow shoulder so it's really cool stuff and if you don't experience any benefits within the first 30 days prevenix has a no questions asked 100 percent money back guarantee where you get a full refund so do your joints a favor and keep running strong go to prevenix.com use the code mta for 15 percent off your first order prevenix.com use the code mta so for people who aren't familiar with the history of UTMB, what year did the race begin? What were some of the factors that went into it being started? And who were the founders? Let's maybe start with some of the history. There, there had been races around Mont Blanc, but they were elite races, elite runners, typically on roads. So this was 2002 we're talking about now. Trail running and ultra running was in ascendancy all around the world. And for various reasons, the race that had been happening had been canceled. And a group formed in Chamonix of trail runners um, after much pestering from a guy named Rennie Bachelard, who is still alive today, is 92 years old and still trail runs, by the way. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. And this is one of the one of the unknown stories of UTMB is that, you know, Rennie was the president of the local you know, running club, and he kept pestering his friend, Michelle Paletti, saying, we've got to restart the race. We got to restart the race. And Michelle finally said, OK, let's call a meeting. And what Michelle brought to the table, among many other things, was incredible enthusiasm for trail running. And Michelle's motto at the time was, let's restart the race, but more dirt, less pavement. And nice. Yeah. And he set out uh, to find trails that would work. Now, 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, some of the sections of the TMB of the Tour de Mont Blanc that we know didn't even exist. He literally had to piece together sections of trail, explore you know, use some sections of road that are no longer used. Um, for those who know the trail, the section between, in Italy, between Bonatti and Bertoni huts didn't even exist. 
all kinds of things like that. And this committee of diehard volunteers, in short, they pulled it off. And it was really in large part thanks to Michelle and his wife, Catherine. Now, the two of them had just come off organizing an international parasailing competition uh, for two years. They had, you know, major event organizing skills. They had a real vision for it. And, you know, they hoped for something like 100 people to sign up. And they got, I forget the exact number, but, you know, 700 some odd, 770 something. Wow. But the interesting story from the first edition, 2003, one of a bunch of interesting stories from that year, I think, is that that summer in France, there had been an enormous heat wave. It was one of the worst heat waves France had ever had all summer long. And two days before the race, the weather totally changed. They got snow over about 6,000 feet. They got high winds. They got rain everywhere else. And the first edition was pretty rugged. Chrissy Meal, the U.S. ultra runner, she was the first uh, you know, woman's winner of the race, won, won that year. She had arrived in Chamonix. She had been following the forecast from home. And she arrived with not nearly enough gear. <laughs> so she ended up going to the Patagonia store in town and buying stuff the day before the race. And the, one of the wonderful stories, I mean, there are many, but I'll stop after this one. But one of the great stories was in Triant, you know, there's a storm raging up high. Uh, you know, Chrissy is rightfully a little intimidated about heading off alone on the final section of the course she'd, in an area she'd never been to with literally a blinding snowstorm. And she sees one other runner uh, taking a break. And, and she says, are you about to go out? And the runner says, yes, I am. And they decide to go off together. And that runner was Michelle Paletti. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the world's great ultra runners teamed up with the founder of UTMB, unbeknownst to each other. And off they went uh, to, you know, finish UTMB. Now, the final twist to this is that the time for second place that year uh, was Topher Gaylord from the U.S., and this guy, Brendan Sabrowski, who was Chrissy's uh, fiance, actually husband at that time, um, they had just gotten married. So Brendan had finished the race, was with Catherine Paletti at the finish line, while Michelle was with Chrissy. And Catherine Paletti likes to joke. She says, ah, yes, that night... Um, my husband was was with another woman, but I was with that woman's husband. <laughs> <laughs> kind of crazy, kind of silly. And I'm sure every year has various anecdotes like that of just the unlikely pairings and challenges that people have to overcome. It really starts, sounds like it was a labor of love and, you know, the people who also had the background to put the logistical support in place. And, you know, it was just kind of like ripe for happening. You know, when something's like supposed to come into the world, the universe will provide the conditions and the people for it to happen. I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think everything came together for UTMP. You had this incredible course in the home of outdoor adventure, Chamonix, France, with a passionate group of volunteers. And, you know, look, I mean, it has to be said, the Palettis are pretty ambitious. So, you know, they have worked really hard to continue to build and refine and improve the race. 
I really sort of think of them as um, American style entrepreneurs. I mean, they have thrown themselves into this race um, and all the races it has it has spawned here in Chamonix and now around the world for you know two decades. And the race, you know, is not without its flaws. Um, you know, they've made some mistakes along the way, and I. Th- think they would be the first to admit it. But they've consistently, slowly, steadily, you know, refined the race. So it's quite something these days. So 20 years later, give us an idea of this, the size and the influence of the UTMB today. Well, I mean, first of all, like here in Chamonix, it's absolutely over the top. (laughs) You know, if you're a trail runner, I always tell this to people I'm talking to about coming trail running over here. It's really worth seeing UTMB. If you know, if you have the the good fortune to be able to afford it in terms of time and money and you know travel and whatnot, there's nothing else like it in the world. To see that race go off is really, really special. I mean, a lot of people have tears in their eyes. A lot of the runners and people spectating are going crazy you know, for about uh, a kilometer from the start through town. There are people lining both sides of the street. We don't really see that in a lot, in really any other trail race. So here in town, it's just, it's just incredible. Um, It's very, I find it very moving. You know, whatever you say, whether it's for you or not, it's just something to experience. It's amazing. Um, Mm. I think in terms of the race, I think what's what's often often missed um, that I found out in the course of the research, you know, for the book, and I I wasn't I didn't really have my eye on this before, is that the race has really brought a huge number of people to trail running. You know, they were one of the first to broadcast the event online, and now it's in I you know I, I forget I think it's now six languages. Hmm you know, live broadcast. During the course of the research of the book, I was I was able to access some data from a shoe company, a major shoe company. And one of the things that they had were studying was the interest in ultra running with a bunch of different metrics, you know, Google searches and other things like that. And it has this enormous spike in the second half of August. And that's sort of a, a UTMB effect. And, you know, the broadcasts now reach, you know, millions of, of viewers over the course of the week in all the different languages. In the book, I tell a story about this guy, Mike Ambrose. It's an exceptional story, but, you know, Mike uh, one day saw a video of UTMB. He was in Philadelphia at the time. And the, ne- the next day he went out and he bought a pair of trail running shoes and he would take the bus across Philadelphia and go trail running in a park there, daydreaming that he was in Chamonix. So this story is maybe not exceptional, except that Mike went on to work for Solomon as a tech rep in the U.S., rose up the corporate ladder. And today he's the North American head for Killian Journey's company, Normal. Mm. You know, and all of that started with a UTMB video. So... Um, yeah. You no, know, I think there are plenty of people who have been brought to trail running because of UTMB. That kind of inspired the title of the book, I assume, right? The Race That Changed Running. 
Yeah, I mean, I think UTMB has changed running in a lot of ways. Look, we see trail running, obviously road running is still much, much, much larger, but we see people moving from road running to trail running when they want to just experiment and try something different. You know, maybe it's time for change. You see these metrics, which tell, again, whatever you think of UTMB, whether it's your thing or not, you you see this um, clear indication that they're really doing more than just riding the wave. They're also creating the wave, you know, along with others. And they're continuing, you know, their partnership with Ironman, you know, within trail running, very controversial at the time. Right. Yeah. You know, there's another example where whatever you make of it, they're pushing the edge of the envelope into new territory. My own take is that it's not a zero sum game. I mean, that's that's just my own view because I kind of love it all. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I love doing great little local races here in Europe. I'm the race co-director of a race in northern New Hampshire every fall. And I love watching UTMB. So I don't think that one is necessarily uh, to the detriment of the other. I think people sometimes feel that way. In the book, I, I talk a little bit about how, you know, I think trail running is sort of a soul sport, maybe like surfing or climbing. You know, it's not just like going to the gym and lifting weights. It's, um, uh, it's something that you really is part of your identity. So when someone comes along and does something that fundamentally shifts something that's part of your identity, you know, that can be very threatening. So I think that's part of what we ex are experiencing too. And to be blunt, I think UTMB has made some mistakes over the years that have not, have not helped them. So it's, there's a combination of things going on there. I think you did a great job of presenting that nuanced look at the race. You know, like you said, there's growing pains. Like anytime you're trying to push a sport forward and bring new people in, there is going to be mistakes made. There's going to be struggles and it's going to take a while for things to catch up maybe with the way that they should be as far as equality goes. And I know when I was reading it, it made me like want to get outside on the trails, which I think is <laughs> is a huge gift. And I, I was thinking like, I want to get back on those trails in the Alps, you know, having tasted a tiny portion of it, not so much doing UTMB like this point in my life. That's not really something I desire to do. I want to see the whole trail and the whole course in the daylight. Yeah. So I think that's like one amazing thing that your company offers is because you offer these tours and like, I want to hike or trail run around that course and see it all, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's really nice um, having done plenty of tours and trips around the mountain and done the race twice. The race is wonderful, but it's very nice to see it all during the day. So let's let's do this. All right. If Angie and I wanted to host a hike around Mount Blanc um, using your company, Run the Alps. Yeah. Uh, so let's say any listeners who are able to travel to France to meet up with us to start uh, and hike around the mountain, give us an idea of a potential itinerary and what would that look like? Yeah. Um, well, typically what we do on our TMB, Tour de Mont Blanc trips, is first of all, we stick pretty true to the race course, but we make changes where the trail running is just you know much better. There are, are a few parts of the race course where if you have 22, 2,500 people racing over, you need to do certain things to accommodate them. So we have a few few variants that are nice. And you know the reality is we don't do particularly long or hard days. It's not too very different from the hiking itinerary. And the reason is, it's so great here. I mean, we like to take our time and stop at the huts, 
you know, have a cafe au lait, have a croissant. Uh, <laughs> our guides are passionate trail runners. So they can talk about, you know, the races and the running here, point out different things. So we really take our time. And, you know, for those who want to run fast, they can, the guide will say, look, you know, why don't you run to this hut, have some soup and cheese or something, and, and we'll be along before long. We actually tend to not stay at the huts and stay generally. What we do is we move people's bags separately. So you can go out trail running with just your trail running stuff for the day, finish the day ultimately in a small village at a hotel. We can get a shower. We all go out to dinner, you know, that kind of thing. It's what we found is that, you know, for anyone who's ever stayed in a Alpine hut in the Alps, it's a wonderful experience, but you often don't sleep very well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, it's a good point. You don't always get a shower. The other thing I'd say is that we all joke about this all the time, that we should have named the company something else. Because the fact is, here in the Alps, unless you're Killian Journey or Courtney DeWalter, you're probably not running the uphills. You're probably no, not at all. You know, hiking or fast hiking the uphills. What we really do on the trips is sort of you know hike the uphills, jog along the flats up high in the mountains, and then you know run downhill. That's much more typical. So I don't know. That would be a very long name for a company. Run, (laughs) run, hike, walk the Alps. It's a great time though. We, we have a lot of fun. And I was just talking about this with a staff member today that she's been jumping in on a couple of trips and she said, you know, everyone is so nice. And I decided a long time ago that, you know, trail runners, it's a pre-selected group of people who are willing to have a certain amount of adventure and challenge themselves. And I think those tend to be you know, really wonderful people. I mean, they're generally sort of fairly secure in themselves, maybe, and have a good spirit and are willing to suffer a little bit. And so we tend to get really wonderful people on the tours. Well, our podcast listeners are especially wonderful. (laughs) We think so, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're recording this before this year's UTMB, which starts later in August. Mm-hmm. Anything that listeners uh, can keep an eye out for this year, like who's going to show up, and if we were betting men, like who should we bet on? <laughs> well, I mean, huh. I wouldn't bet against Killian, that's for sure. He's just decided that he'll be back, and last year was the first year that anyone finished under twenty hours, and it was Killian and Matthew Blanchard. And last year they had this incredible duel. Mm. The interesting thing about UTMB is that the highest finish for an American man um, was second place in the first edition, that tie when when Brandon and, and Topher came in together. So no American man has ever won UTMB, and the, <laughs> the trail running world is waiting. So, yeah. you know, it's going to happen sooner or later. Maybe it'll be Jim Walmsley, who has been training awfully hard, you know, and living here in the Alps and really coming to understand this area. Or maybe it will be one of the, you know, many other strong, you know, U.S. men trail runners. But 
someday that's that's going to happen and when it does you know they they love americans over here i i have to say i mean it's you know my impression and american trail runners come with this fun you know spirit and attitude and um when it happens i think this town is going to erupt in in joy and total mania so that's always something <laughs> for Beyond that, I would say, um, you know, these races, when you pulling together this incredibly challenging 100 mile course, it's everybody's A race. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of attention on it. That's a recipe for drama. <laughs> so yeah. something w- is going to happen out there and maybe many things in the course of the 20 to 24 hours for the men and the women. And so one thing that we'll be sure is there will be plenty of stories to tell and, and probably nobody can guess what they are right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. Well, keeps life exciting. Everyone check out the book, The Race That Changed Running, The Inside Story of UTMB. It's a fascinating book and it's also a beautiful book. Lots of uh, just full color pictures from the Alps and also pictures from the history of UTMB. So thank you, Doug. And if people want to find you online, uh, find the book, where should we send them? Well, I mean, the book is available everywhere, pretty much, all the usual places. And probably the easiest way to follow me or get a hold of me is through through Run the Alps, runthealps.com, and you run the Alps on Instagram or Facebook. Um, and I'm on those platforms, of course, you know, myself. Perfect. Well, thanks for talking to us today, Doug. Oh, hey, hey thanks a lot. It's been really nice talking to you guys. A quick thanks to our sponsor, AG1. It is a foundational nutritional supplement that delivers all of this good stuff in one tasty drink. Multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, prebiotic, greens, superfoods, stress adaptogens, functional mushrooms, antioxidants. I take one scoop of AG1 in 12 ounces of water in this cool shaker bottle that comes with your first order and drink that first thing in the morning. The beauty of AG1, besides the great results that many people have noticed, is that it just simplifies your whole morning routine. You don't have to have a ton of different supplements. It replaces your multivitamin, your probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. And I I love the fact that they also have these travel packs. So it's super easy to put in your bag, take with you and not compromise your health while you're on the road. Yeah, you can get five free travel packs and a one-year supply of vitamin D over at drinkag1.com slash MTA or just use our link right there in the show notes, drinkag1.com slash MTA. All right. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Doug Mayer. Definitely looking forward to watching from afar the UTMB. Should be an exciting year. Hopefully, uh, if you hear this in time, you'll be able to watch it and have a little bit of context. And Angie, let's circle back to this potential trip for next year uh, around Mount Blanc. Like we said, we have been there. It is one of the most beautiful places on earth I've ever seen. It's been on my bucket list to go around the whole mountain. And it's pretty tricky to make reservations. And then it costs extra, of course, to have your stuff move from place to place if you don't want to carry it all, which... We do not. (laughs) (laughs) We're up there with our suitcases. (laughs) So yeah, and then along comes Run the Alps. And I actually heard about Run the Alps through Courtney DeWalter. So let's talk about a potential running retreat in... uh, 2024. This will be probably in July or August. So the date is a little bit tentative because we're going to see what works best for uh, anyone listening who wants to join us. And it'll take about 10 days. We'll go around the whole mountain. It's about 112 miles. Run the Alps will provide a tour group leader for us, and they will also uh, transfer our stuff. 
Lodging is included, breakfast, dinners, and snacks. It's not going to be cheap, obviously, you know, for all that. And we can only take between 8 to 12 guests, so definitely a limited number of spots. And we can tell you this, we believe it'll be a transformational experience just to be in the mountains, to go that far, to interact with all the different cultures and people. And if you would like to hike around Mount Blanc with Angie and I, send me an email. You can send it to trevor at marathontrainingacademy.com. And we'll send you a psychological assessment, see if you're appropriate. Yeah, that's right. We want no drama, right? We're going to weed out all the high drama people. (laughs) Only super cool people can go. I don't think I'm cool enough to go, actually. (laughs) (laughs) No, we kid. We believe it'll be a a once-in-a-lifetime experience as you hike on this epic trail through three different countries in the Alps. So if that sounds like something that you'd be down for, you can email me to learn more and get the conversation started. Trevor at MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for being a listener. Remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my way, right on my-